Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 21st Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 17th, 2021. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because we're just in these last closing days of Mark here, getting toward the end of that season. We have a lot of things kind of crazy kind of coming up with All Saints Day kind of right on the horizon here coming up. And then we'll have the new church here, not that far following behind that. It's an exciting time of the year. It's an exciting time to be within the church. It's just a busy, usually chaotic time of year. A lot of fall programming getting going, a lot of things that's getting going. And especially as we're coming out of the pandemic and as we're trying to figure out what's okay, what's not okay, while we continue to watch what's all going on with the pandemic, it's made it difficult. It's made it interesting. It's made it hard. But I think it's also been something that's, in a lot of ways, we've been craving and we're also trying to figure out where is that work-life balance for all of us, for kids, for adults, for being as a church. How do we make sure that we are caring for each other and not just diving back into getting exhausted for the sake of being exhausted? So... Let's dig into the Twitter question. The Twitter question I had for you last week is, where have you done the mantra of sharing is caring? Where have you shared? Where have you cared? And I think it's kind of a interesting time of year, especially here being in the Northern Hemisphere, to be thinking about it in that way. Because a lot of us you do fall cleaning, you do a lot of prep work preparing for the winter here in the northern half of the northern hemisphere. We're preparing for that season. But heck, to our friends of the south, where you're getting into the southern hemisphere, they're getting ready for getting into summer. So you're doing your spring cleaning, getting prepared for what that's going to look like and What does that all mean for them as they're preparing for the summer season? It's unique to be thinking about it that way. But it's often how often do we go and help each other with a move or help with a project or these different things of that nature. It's something that is within our Christian DNA. And it's something that, as the church, we should be trying to work toward. But a lot of times we fall short of. A lot of times we really wrestle with and struggle with really making sure that the sharing and caring is in the appropriate ways. And sometimes it means that we're really good at doing things where we can't see, but we're not as good as close to home and vice versa. And it's that hard balance that we walk as a Christian in a lot of ways. And it's difficult, but it's rewarding in the same way. And I think in some small fashion this week, we kind of get that spun on our head a little bit with getting into the text that we have for this week. So let's just jump right into it. The alternative Old Testament or first reading is from Job chapter 38 verses 1 to 7 and optionally 34 to 41. This is keeping with what we've been going through with Job, kind of some back and forth that Job has had with his friends a couple times. Again, like I stated last week, there's been some good advice, but the longer it kind of goes, the more it's like, what is going on? So Job cries out for the Lord and kind of is like, okay, where are you? Where's your answers to this stuff? And God, I love the responses that we get in this. It's just so interesting how God then is responding with questions. 
and kind of asking, where were you when all these different things were being created? Where were you? So starting it here at verse four, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? Where was the morning star saying together and all heavenly beings shouted for joy? And then jumping to verse 37. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightning so they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put the wisdom in the inward parts or giving understanding to the mind? God continues to lay out these questions of, I've been here. I've gone through a lot of this. I have made plans. There has to be some faith and trust in that. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 104 verses 1 to 9, 24 and 35c. This starts with what we've heard many times in the Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. And it's understanding the the gifts that God has given, the wind, the flames of for ministry, the chambers of water, the clouds, all these different things that God has used in ministry. And then recognizing that the creation in and of itself, you rose up mountains and ran to the valleys, to place where you have appointed them, coming from verse 8. And giving praise, and where it ends at 35cc is praise the Lord. The abundance of what God has created. The alternative Old Testament text is from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 to 12. Isaiah is then pointing out how God has continued to be with us, and it continues to work with us even as we wrestle with things, even as we attempt to do things and it leads us into the wrong direction. Yet God is still with us to try to steer us back, to bring us back and recognizing still, again, the idea that we got a little bit in the Job text of how much grace and the blessings of what God continues to do even as we struggle to understand what that all means, struggles to be able to recognize all these things that God has done for us, and yet we still go astray. The psalm this week then that goes with that is Psalm 91 verses 9 to 16. This is, I see it as almost a prayer of God recognizing how holy God is and how much, again, we struggle, we mess up, and yet God still loves us, that God still is trying to protect us and work with us. The common verse being verse 12, on their hands, they will bear you up so that you do not dash your foot against the stone, referencing the angels that are around us, supporting us, and that this is a recollection and showing us of our salvation. The New Testament text then comes from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. This is a fun little text recognizing that how God puts things on us and how God has called us into these different things. And that even as we, in this case, the priest is called forever from the order of Melchizedek, that this is something that God has appointed, that God then is working in and is trying to make sure that we understand that we are called into 
positions. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. And I have to agree with Working Preacher here. You really need to add the few verses that are missed from last week because that sets up this text really well. And the verses that we miss is Jesus referencing for the third time in Mark's gospel that he will die. He's predicting his death. And so where the text then for this week coming from verse 35, you have James and John going up to Jesus and asking, if you're in heaven, can we sit on your right and left hand in glory? And Jesus, I love how he responds here in verse 38. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am? They respond, yep, we can do this. And Jesus kind of says, this is not for me to grant. This is not for me to say. When the other disciples hear this, they're kind of a little upset with James and John's trying to sneak in here. And remember, they're part of the three that have kind of seen a little bit more of what's been going on with Jesus's ministry. There's been a couple times Peter, James, and John get pulled aside and see a little bit different things. And it's kind of interesting also to recognize that James and John, that they're kind of the bookends of the disciples in certain ways that you have James is the first one killed of the 12 outside of Judas and John being the last one to die from them. So it's kind of this interesting kind of bookends in that way. But Jesus kind of recognizing and trying to tell them that they don't understand what they're asking and picking up in verse 43, but it is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be a servant, and whoever wishes to be first must be a slave to all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Trying to recognize that there is some greater calling of what Jesus has been sent for than just appointing positions. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. I've already brought it up because it's such a great resource having three to four seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul giving some direction and some ideas on how to think about and process these texts. I find it really helpful, especially since I'm not ordained. But the other resource that I really like using is a lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt University. I really enjoy looking through the art, and I really also enjoy how they lay out these texts. I find it really helpful to be able to look at and to think about how is different artists interpreted these texts. How do these texts, when we lay them side by side, how can we find something that kind of runs through these to pick up a theme? So if you haven't checked out the lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt or Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend checking out both of these resources. Vision. It's complicated, isn't it? It's interesting to think about in a lot of ways that many of us are dependent in a lot of ways upon our vision, but yet we also know that there's only so much we can see. In this last week, I had an experience like that, and I think it's something that we can dive a little bit more into that I think helps 
kind of reiterate a little bit, especially what we see this week in the gospel text. So this last week, I had the best encounter that I have had with the Northern Lights. Now, the Northern Lights is a phenomenon that we get that is pretty incredible. It deals with our Earth's magnetic field, the sun's magnetic field, and solar winds and energy, and it's fantastic. But to kind of break this down, first, the sun every so often has its shifting magnetic fields. And as that happens, it causes solar flares or colonial mass ejections or CMEs. When this happens, you have a mass amount of energy and heat that is released out of the sun coming toward different planets and such in the form of energy. When this energy hits the magnetic field around the Earth, it interacts with it. But to understand that, the magnetic field around the Earth is kind of like a squished figure eight. It's like a bar magnet, if you've ever played around with bar magnets, where there's a north and a south, and there are weak points at the very top and at the very bottom, like straight on for the magnets, that there just isn't as much push back. The earth is the same way. So as this solar wind, they call it, or this CME is coming, this great amount of energy, it hits the magnetic field of the earth and gets wrapped around to these weaker spots. And so thus it enters in. When that happens, this amount of energy gets transformed into photons. So photons is little energy packets of light and it interacts with mostly the hydrogen and nitrogen in our atmosphere. And so hydrogen, it produces a green light and nitrogen, it produces a blue light. And this is what causes the Northern Lights or the Southern Lights, Aurora Borealis. And I'll attach some links down below to kind of help explain this, but it's a lot there. Now, if you've ever seen pictures of the Northern Lights or the Southern Lights, that is not what it looks like. Because when I was sitting out in my yard, noticing and absorbing the Northern Lights, I could see some kind of faint, almost foggy, misty, white-ish, almost looked like a cloud, but it was a clear night around the sky toward the north. And I got some points where I could see some greens. I saw a little bit of blues. I saw some movement. There were times where I was seeing movement, but there wasn't color. It wasn't very photogenic. But yet, when I was playing around with my camera, my wife playing around with her phone's camera and setting exposures of 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, suddenly there was light. There were things that I was able to see that with my naked eye, I couldn't see. And so when we think about the Northern Lights in and of itself, that flare, those energy packets take between usually eight minutes, but upwards to like 10 minutes to get to Earth, to be wrapped around, to come into the atmosphere, for me to see potential movement from the amount of energy coming from the solar flare or CME, these solar winds moving and interacting with our Earth's magnetic field. And the little bit that I am able to see is just that. 
I can only see so much. My camera, because it's allowing it to be open, to having that sensor open longer to be able to let more light in, thus allows it to be able to see these colors more vividly than I could because I was on the southern part of that pole where it was letting things in and there really wasn't as much vibrancy to the colors as other places in the world at other times. I was talking with my wife about this some, and she brought up even another point with it that I thought was really interesting. Whenever we would go inside and you had lights on or whatever and we go back out, there was still the even the point of we had to adjust and let our irises within our eyes adjust to the lack of light to be able to see the movement, to be able to see what was going on. For us to actually be able to fully absorb, and yes, we did see some colors and we did see some movement, but very little, especially compared to what our pictures were showing us because our eyes weren't allowing us to absorb enough light to really be able to see what was going on, to being able to process what is going on. It was amazing as I talked with a lot of colleagues and friends and how many people had completely missed it. I completely missed the opportunity or heard about it and just didn't go out or looked for a few minutes and didn't see it. And yet it was us as we sat there persistently waiting that we were able to see more and absorb more and understand more. James and John in this moment are getting a snapshot of what is going on especially coming off of the predictions of what Jesus had just said. Yeah, we can drink from the cup that you do. We drink the same stuff. We do the same stuff as you, Jesus. We can do this. And yet, for us who have been in the church long enough to go through these, we know they're nowhere to be seen when the crucifixion comes. We are called into our ministry fields, whatever they are, like we hear in Hebrews. And yet, sometimes we fight it. We push against it. We don't spend enough time to really be able to absorb whatever it is that we're trying to see. Recognizing what God has all created and what God has all gifted us is part of that. And I love that when we're thinking about it, especially within the Job text. Where were you at the formations of the earth? You must have that figured out then. If you're questioning where I am, if you're questioning why everything is going on, realizing that there are things and factors that are beyond our understanding. The northern lights are amazing and they're not out every night, but it's through the miracle of centuries of work. Galileo initially kind of noticing and kind of starting to recognize that these northern lights, and it was into the 1800s when we first started to actually start comprehending a little bit what was going on. But it's amazing. There's how many apps that are out there to help you with predicting the possibility of you seeing them, but it's not like they're perfect. Because it's that process of, for you to see whatever you're seeing, it takes 8 to 10 minutes just to get there. And then our eyes can only see so much of it compared to when we allow something to actually absorb even more. I know those first few moments when I was hearing that there was a potential of the Northern Lights myself, when I walked out there, It looked like a haze. There wasn't anything going on, but I was persistent. I wanted the opportunity. I was seeing the information that I was seeing that there was a good chance that they're being there 
And yeah, we even stayed longer than what we were able to really see things. But we wanted that opportunity. We wanted more of it. And it's just like when we're actively working with God and sometimes those moments where we really do feel and know that God is speaking more directly to us. And we want that craving to continue to be in that place. But there's times where God says, go and do. I need you to now do what I've been talking to you about. And then there are times where we come to the Lord and we're asking for things and we just do not see the whole picture of what God is doing. We don't give enough time to process. When I was out there, one of the things that was really humbling about the experience was I clicked that shutter and I had it on a 30-second exposure. And if I'm doing it next time, I'm not doing it that long. I'm probably more of a 15 to 20. I clicked that shutter. I had a two-second delay before the, the mirror would go up so that the sensor would be exposed to reduce the amount of vibrations in the camera. And then I'd wait. And I had no idea what it was going to come out. I had no idea what the colors and what things I was doing. And for me, I looked up YouTube videos on how to do it afterwards. I was just out there experimenting, trying to figure this out on my own. And yeah, I figured out some things, but there's definitely been a lot of things I've picked up since watching things and trying to understand it. It's a lot like faith. There's times where we just have to be able to sit there and ponder and work through something. When was the last time you really sat with something and pondered and worked on it actively for an extended period of time without just quick reaction? The world in which we're in is begging us to have quick reactions, but yet our faith calls us into reflecting and thinking things through. If James and John had spent a little bit more time processing maybe a little bit what Jesus had said, do they come up with this question? Or was this something more of just thinking in the moment, can I secure my place at the right and left hand of Christ in his holiness? How often we are quick to make judgments, to quick to make decisions, and part of it's the world in which we're in, but how often have we actually sat and pondered and worked through something and said, I don't know, and I'm actually really working on it. In the political climate, in so many ways, in the climate in which we're in, where we feel like we have to have decisions and be firm with our decisions immediately, it's hard to be in that place of, let me ponder and work through this. But yet, as Christians, we are called into that. We are called to sit there and let the photons of light come in and see them what develops and make adjustments from there and try understanding what we're seeing now. Because not just what we're physically seeing, but what we're absorbing and understanding because we're letting ourselves sit there for a while. So the Twitter question is this, when have you sat with a question and pondered for an extended period of time? When have you sat with a question and pondered for an extended period of time. Because as I ask that question, I can't really give you an answer. Because I don't know how long I have really sat with something enough where I feel like I was really pondering something for an extended period of time before coming up with a decision. I'm either in the questioning phase or all in. I don't really get into that pondering phase as I probably should. Ask my wife, sometimes it takes me a tremendous amount of time to purchase something because I'm trying to weigh pros and cons, but I'm also eerily specific with certain things. It's something we all wrestle with and all work with, and it's something that we probably should be better at. 
But that means that we have to be able to cut through the noise, open up that shutter, and absorb for a long time. Finish that picture, sort through the noise, make decisions, tweaks, and do it again. Some point I will feel confident at shooting the northern lights. Monday night for me was not that, but that's okay. I'll keep pondering, I'll keep working on it and figuring it out, but that's what we all need in life. We sit, we ponder, we work through difficult questions, difficult things, and in faith, in life, that's what we're called to be. That means we need to be able to see beyond the quick and easy response of they're not there and sit and look and really come to the determination if it's really there or not. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>